This is the Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Salisbury, and this is episode 48, Vanity versus Health, How It Impacts Your Exercise Routine As You Age with Steve Washuda. This was a fantastic conversation. I was on Steve's podcast in May, and we wanted to do a podcast swap, and he is so knowledgeable. Like he says, over 30,000 hours of experience in the gym as a personal trainer with several certifications. He's going to really talk us through how we want to construct our exercise routines right now in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s for longevity. You guys know this is important to me, living long, living to 100, and making that health span match your lifespan. So we want to be able to have function all the way through the end of our lives. And exercising properly now is really, really key to do that. So you're going to hear how we want to pull back on some aspects and emphasize others. And Steve will really walk us through some of the ideal things we can do. And near the end, we're going to even talk about an ideal schedule, whether you are currently exercising or you are new to exercise. This is going to be fabulous information for you. Okay, so let's go. Welcome to Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well, the podcast for women who want to lose weight, but are tired of counting and calculating all the food. I'm your host, Lisa Salisbury. I'm a certified health and weight loss coach and life coach, and most importantly, a recovered chronic dieter. I'll teach you to figure out why you are eating when you aren't hungry instead of worrying so much about what you are eating. Welcome back to the Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well podcast. I have Steve Washuda here with me today, and I'm going to let him introduce himself first, and then we'll jump into our conversation. So give us a little rundown of what you do and who you help. Certainly. First, Lisa, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, talk to you. I had you on my podcast, and I'm sure we'll both be sharing that content uh, in, in both directions here. But I'm a personal trainer by trade with about 30,000 hours experience. I have a ton of certifications corrective exercise specialist, three different TRX certifications, have a background in Pilates, you name it, I've done it in the fitness industry. Now I sort of focus on helping young fitness professionals, personal trainers better their business. I wrote a book called Fitness Business 101, what the certifications don't teach you to kind of let young fitness professionals understand that there's a lot more than just getting a certification. You have to really understand what I consider client relations, which I know you're big on, how to work with people individually, kind of assess them and what they need and understand the mental and psychological side to help people get to their goals is very important. And then on a day-to-day basis, I'd say I help the general population get healthier. If you're somebody who has a very specific goal, I typically don't work with you. I'm looking for people who are looking for long-term health and wellness. How do I make myself a little bit healthier every day? I have principles that I abide by, but I don't have an ideology. I'm not someone that says, you have to do CrossFit, you have to lift heavy, you have to go running. I I need you to adhere to the program. So I'm going to assess you individually and then build that program around you. Yeah, for sure. Bio-individuality, it's with exercise as well as with food and nutrition. I always say the best best nutritional study you will ever read is your own food journal because you can learn way more from that about nutrition that works for you than you can by reading any other study. Yeah, yeah. So Touché. Also, yeah. think about think about adherence, right? So let's go ahead and say, you know what's best for you is whatever, to eat more vegetables. But for whatever reason, you can't really control your taste buds. You hate the taste of three or four different vegetables. 
then then you you find other vegetables to eat, right? You just you, you right. can't force yourself to do the things that you know for a fact you're never going to do. You have to adhere to that plan. So both in the nutrition world and the fitness world, we have to find things that our clients are actually going to stick to because if they don't stick to them, they're not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter what exercise is the best for you if you hate it and you don't want to do it ever. Yeah. I I mean, I do have an episode, of, you know, easy doesn't make you better. We still have to do the hard things. I agree. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to go to failure on a lift, but it's enjoyable enough for me that I keep going back to lifting. So Exactly. You shouldn't dread it every day. And just, you know, food and fitness have so many things in common. There's going to be some things on your plate or some things throughout your day you eat that aren't as exciting as other things. That's normal. And there's going to be some fitness routines you do where they're your absolute favorite. And some are a little bit more torturous, <laughs> to use yeah. a, a not good adjective, and they're, they're more difficult. And, and you need that balance. You need to challenge yourself sometimes, maybe when you're at full energy. But maybe one day, you know, uh, Lisa only gets four hours of sleep and, you know, she didn't get to eat the food that she wanted to that day. And she still wants to do a workout. Well, then maybe she just goes on a two mile walk because she doesn't have the energy that day. There's still things to do. It doesn't always mm -hmm. have to be pushing yourself to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when we talk about weight loss and changing your body, exercising, especially lifting weights tends to be about body recomposition. It always kind of comes back to, well, is it just about the way you look? And this is one of the things we wanted to talk about today is how does vanity play a role here? Is working out for vanity always a bad thing? And I've struggled th with this on and off with my profession is saying like promoting weight loss, which I mean, that's what I coach. So essentially that is what I'm, what I'm promoting. And I talk about the health of it. I talk about the idea of being able to move around. I, I love my one client who's just like, I just get up now, like without making a noise. Like, <laughs> I love that. He's just like, I just like get up out of a chair. And just clients that have told me like, I can get up off the floor now without trouble. Like that's the main reason why a lot of my clients come to me is for function. But I have had several that have come for what they probably would consider vanity. I just want to look better. And I'm all I'm all in on either one because I think it's fun to look better naked and I I don't think that that is is a bad thing but tell me how you um you know how this works for you and why this probably is the bigger motivator for a lot of people. Sure, first preemptively I want to say I'm not like holier than thou. I look in the mirror. I'm I'm worried about what I look like. And, yeah. uh, you know, th there's a reason why there's mirror in, mirrors in weight rooms. People do want to see what they look like. Vanity is what I consider a positive gateway drug into fitness and health. So maybe mm. it's a 16-year-old boy who wants to get the girl next door and thinks he needs a bigger chest and bigger arms and decides to go to the weight room. Maybe it's a 19-year-old girl who's in college and sees all these guys around her she's interested in, maybe wants to, you know, she feels like she wants to tone up or something, right? Th th these are fine. These are normal things to be somewhat concerned with your vanity. It's a it's sort of from a biological evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense. But what I warn people is there's a line of diminishing returns. There are a lot of exercise that long-term could be doing damage, let's say to joints and ligaments 
and not necessarily the healthiest thing that you could possibly do. And people, when they're only focused on vanity, don't focus on their long-term health. I compare it to money. So ultimately, what do you want with your money? Of course, you want to make money now and spend it, but you want to save for retirement because mm. you know having money into old age matters. Well, you also want to save your body into old age. So if you're burning through your money too fast, or in my case, if you're wearing down joints and ligaments and you're pushing your body too hard at a young age, you're going to deal with that later on in life. You're not saving your body later on. So there are more proper ways to work out for overall health and wellness that's being concerned with flexibility and mobility and making sure you're not doing too much high intensity, making sure it's not just vanity-based, asking yourself, taking a step back and saying, is this making me feel better? Does this exercise, do I actually feel great doing this? And there's the other side of this. There's some people who get a high from working out and that's all they're chasing is the high. And they go, oh, I just ran six miles. I feel fantastic. Yeah, of course you do, right? Because we know all the things that are going on in the background between the cortisol and the, and the dopamine, the endorphins. But you know that constant wear on the pavement, that pounding on your ankles and knees and hips, it, it, there's a lot of diminishing returns where maybe if you were riding a recumbent bike, that's a bike where your feet are, are in and you're leaning up against the seat. Well, maybe that would have been a little bit easier for you as far as the wear on your joints. So I think it's just assessing. Again, you and I have talked about this beforehand, having a professional audit your program and saying, what is your what is your ultimate goal? If it is health and wellness, if it's not just getting on stage, we can't just worry about you and how you look. We also have to think about your long-term health and build a plan accordingly to make sure that we're not overdoing it. I think the other aspect of the vanity here in how we look is people often think that, well, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to exercise. And they disregard the amount of effect that their nutrition has. And they think, well, if I'm, if I just exercise enough, that's how I'm going to lose weight. And I just think there's so the reasons for exercise are vast and very, very, very few of them is for weight loss. It's just not actually the most effective modality if, if your nutrition is not dialed in. Right. Uh, yeah, I agree. And some people will, uh, especially you'll see those uh, busy professionals who they think they can outwork their diet. So you're, mm -hmm. you're talking, you're very successful nine to fivers who, uh, you know, maybe they're well-educated, they have a secondary degree and they have the money to go, you know, hire a, you know, a personal trainer and do whatever, but you know, they're eating very poorly because they're so busy. So you, you know, the deal they get, they're starving by the time lunch comes around, they forgot to eat breakfast. So they eat whatever's in front of them, the, the closest fast food, and then they go, no big deal, because what I'm going to do is run six miles at the end of the day as fast as I can. And mm -hmm. they think they can outwork a bad diet. They think they can outwork you know, bad lifestyle habits. But ultimately, you can't do that. And you, you mm -hmm. have to, again, take a step back and sort of audit your program and say, what's best for me long term? Because a lot of these things are not best long term, but they may work in the short term. And that's the problem with the vanity is you may do things in the gym that seem to be working for you at 24 and 25. But what is that doing to you at 45 and 55 and 65? I work with that population, the older senior population, and I see what they go through. And some of these things you have to explain to people, they're inevitable. You're going to face these things whether you want to or not. You're going to start having injuries. You're going to start having joint pain. And you want to kind of prepare for that moving forward by working out and eating in a, in a proper manner. So just like you're saving your money for retirement, again, you're saving your body for old age. 
I love this conversation because my clients and my listeners probably know that one of my goals is to live to 100. And people think that's ridiculous. Like, how can you have that? Like, you don't have control over that. But I'm like, but I'm going to do everything I can to do that. But it's not just the living. It's the making my health span match that lifespan. It's the continuing to be active, continuing to be able. And definitely what we're talking about here is the way I work out now has to match that. It has to allow for me to be able to do it long-term. And I'm curious, I often say, as far as nutrition goes, if we can't eat like this for the rest of our lives, like then let's let's not do it. If I teach my clients how to eat in such a way that they want to eat that way very, very, very long-term. So would that be the case with exercise as well, or is there going to need to be more shifts with exercise as we get older? That's a great question. Yeah, I would say the latter. So it's just adapting your training style as you get older. And typically that could just be something as simple as less load. So load in my world is just weight. So maybe you're doing things like squats and lunges and chest presses and shoulder presses with heavier weights doing low rep ranges, six to eight rep ranges, because your goal is to build muscle. But as you get older, that sort of has to change. It has to be more about the efficiency of the motion. I always say you should become a better a better exerciser. Your form should look better. It should look smoother. When I, when I look at you from afar, I should know that Lisa has done a thousand of these things, 10,000 of these things. And it's about the mobility of the joints. And it's not about just increasing load and weight. And that's typically what happens from, let's say, the vanity perspective or from a strength perspective in the weight room, right? People have number goals they're trying to reach. Hey, I deadlifted this weight. Hey, I benched this weight. I want to go to a heavier weight. Hey, I ran four miles at this time. I want to run four miles in 30 seconds less, right? There's always this sort of competitive nature that we have to look at numbers and beat those numbers. But at some point, you have to say, I need to dial back that competitive nature, focus on my form, and focus on just getting to the gym, doing something I enjoy, moving around, and knowing that this is helping my overall health and wellness. It doesn't have to be so competitive and dialed in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about just the idea of exercising for our overall health. So we've got people that don't exercise at all, so we need to know where to start. And I have had clients who I would consider over-exercisers, people that are, you know, waking up at four or five in the morning to get that exercise in and, you know, and not just one thing, but several things, a cardio and a weightlifting workout every single day. I've had clients like that. So from every, you know, aspect, what do people need to understand about exercise and their overall health? I'll start in reverse here. You know, there's a big trend and push for, you know, ch really challenging yourself, jumping in these cold ice baths, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and running 20 miles. You see that, you know, a big sort of celebrity trainer, uh, fitness guru is David Goggins. And mm -hmm. he was basically this, you know, someone who was extremely overweight, lost a ton of weight, you know, became a Navy SEAL. And he's just a motivator. Push it, push it, push it. You know, what you don't hear is that David Goggins now has had knee replacements. He's probably on the verge of getting hip replacements, right? Because he pushed it too much. There's a point, again, a line of diminishing returns where our joints and our ligaments don't work the same way our muscles do. And they're going to wear out. 
And we have to take care of that. And we have to know that there's a point in which we have to dial it back. So I will say, if you're somebody who does thrive off that kind of like, we talked about those nine to five busy professionals who kind of love that stress. They love having deadlines and waking up and pushing themselves. You may need to dial it back. And again, hiring a professional to kind of audit your program may be the thing you need to do. And from the other side of the spectrum, the people who are not working out at all, but somehow convince themselves like, oh, I can just have a clean diet and not work out. Well, no, it's not just about fat loss and calories. It's about heart health. It's about maintaining strong bones. You can't just do these things with food, right? Our muscles pull on those bones, which in turn make them stronger. So you, you need the weightlifting. You need the weights to push you, right? Especially as we see when women get closer to their mid-50s, there's such a high percentage who have you know, osteopenia, which leads to osteoporosis. And, and how do we battle that? Well, it's much easier to start before we get that. That's the first thing you want to do. You don't want to get it in the first place. You want to start lifting in your 30s and 40s so that you can stave that off. But if you already do have that, you're going to have to start working out with a professional to make sure that it doesn't get worse. And I think that's, uh, you know, we, we can't lie to ourselves. It's, it, it's, it's needed. And if you struggle with it, it's not going zero to 60, just like in the nutrition world, I'm sure Lisa wouldn't start someone off to say, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to totally revamp everything you do. And all you're going to do is eat you know, 1,500 calories of broccoli and grilled chicken. No, she makes small yeah, changes yeah. and works your way up until you feel comfortable. And then she adds something in once you've sort of mastered that change. And that's the same thing in the fitness world. Maybe it's one day a week at first. And then once that's easy, maybe it's two days and so on and so forth. You, you don't have to become a master at it right away. You just have to start. I'm sure you've heard the saying, we don't stop moving because we get old. We get old because we stop moving. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's the truth. Yeah. It's, it's just the idea that we only get old if we just stop moving our bodies around. And, and by getting old, I just mean just the idea of, you know, sitting in our rocking chair and kind of giving up sort of. And I just, you know, you see the videos on Instagram of this is my 91 year old mom and look at what she can do. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's totally what I want. And my husband saw that and he's like, well, someone won the DNA lottery. And I'm like, yeah, that, that may be true, but she also still is in the gym and she's not lifting as heavy as I'm lifting right now as, as she shouldn't be. Right. And so it's just that dialing back on the the weights that she is lifting. And yet still she's challenging herself and really been able to stay young. And I don't know how many people are out there like her because, you know, like we've said, you know, you have the world open to you when you're looking at social media. So there might not be anybody in your gym that's that age. My sister tells me about the woman that is almost 80 that rides her bike to her gym and then does the bar class, the same bar class my sister does, and then rides her bike home. And she's like, she's amazing. So we all want to be that. We see those people that are so functional in their older life. So for those that are in their 30s and 40s right now, I think what's probably my typical listener, maybe 50s, what would the ideal, if we were just like, generally speaking, a person who doesn't have current injuries, right? Obviously, everybody is different. But what would be kind of that ideal workout routine for the week? Sure. For me, it's about there's different planes of motion. I'll try not to be too technical here. Uh, there's different planes of motion and there's different, I, I call them the seven central movements. 
And for me, it's important to move in all of these directions and do these things. And most people know these, a squat, a lunge, a plank, and then we have push and pull. A push movement would be something like a push-up. A pull movement would be something like a pull-up. Now, most people can't do pull-ups, so you could do back rows, which is pulling dumbbells towards your rib cage, squeezing your shoulder blades together. That works for back muscles. Or like a lat pull-down. Would that be a pull? Exactly. A lat pull-down. And then you have rotational movements, right? Something where you're moving what we call through the spine, to the thoracic spine, the mid part of your spine. Moving in all those directions is very important because it activates all these different muscle groups. And also, from a joint perspective, like your hips and your shoulders are built in ball and socket, which means they move around in a circular fashion. So we want to move around our joints in all planes of motion. So what's really important is that we don't just go to the gym, sit on a machine, push it forward, push it backwards, right? Or lift up a weight straight up to our arm and leave it down. We want to make sure that we're also thinking about our joints and how they move and move in different planes of motion. I think that's, that's really important. So I love something like the TRX suspension trainer, which really helps you do that, right? Other forms of resistance training like cable machines, which are great. Um, the traditional Olympic weightlifting movements, let's say like a deadlift or these things where you're using a straight barbell, you're talking about people who spend their whole life perfecting this form. Mm. And then, uh, you know, other people just go in the gym and they assume they can go do it. And it's you know, the risk reward from what it's doing to you to your potential for injury to me is just not worth it most of the time. Now, if you lighten the load, like we talked about, focus more on your form. That's great. You have to build efficiency in the motions. And how you do that is forget about the weight, focus on doing the form properly. That's what I would say first to build sort of the infrastructure, right, of your body, the architecture of your body. And then you could start to add weight and do things. But ultimately, yes, I would really focus on those different movements. You're squatting at certain points, you're lunging. You're doing a pushing exercise, you're doing a pulling exercise, you're doing a rotation exercise. If you're moving in all of those planes of motion and all those exercises, typically you're hitting all those muscle groups. The tool in which you use is just that. It's just that. It's a tool in which you use to get your body there, right? To help those muscles contract. Your body is the ultimate tool. Mm -hmm. All of these different fitness toys, whether you're using a band or a slam ball or a weights or a barbell. They're just assisting in it. It's more about the motion that your body's moving through. I tend to pick up different things just for interest, just to keep it, keep, like yeah. choose a different, you know, sometimes a slam ball and sometimes a band and sometimes dumbbells, just, just because it keeps it more interesting. Well, it also challenges your body more. So ultimately, you can do the same exact movement. Let's, let's take a, a shoulder press, which is for those who don't know, it's let's say I'm holding a ball. Uh, underneath my chin, and I'm pressing that ball straight into the air. If I do that with a ball, that's not the same as if I do that with two individual weights. Mm -hmm. That's also not the same as if I do that with a straight barbell. Why? Well, I have different smaller stabilizer muscles that are all firing dependent upon small things. Like in a ball, you're not squeezing the ball because you can't. So my palm is open, which means I'm not working my forearms. In a bar, I'm gripping it this way. In dumbbells, I might be gripping it this way. Even small things like that challenge your body in different ways. And the more we can challenge our body and make it less efficient, I know that sounds sort of counterintuitive, the harder our body is working. So for anybody who's, who has perfected something, right, whether you're a swimmer or a runner or maybe there's a weight room technique you've perfected, it's so easy for you now. 
right? You're, when you do the motion, your body sends signals up to your brain, afferent neurons, afferent neurons come back from your brain back to your body. And you can do that with no problem because you've done them thousands of times. But when you try something new, whatever that is, you're a little bit shaky and wobbly. And that also in turn burns more calories because your body's working harder to try to work through that new process and learn that new process. So it's also an advantage to doing new things and trying new ways like you just talked about, Lisa. The other thing too I notice is when you say like overhead press, that kind of bothers my shoulders. And I've Mm -hmm. learned that I can do, I can actually do a landmine press though. And so it's just like a slightly different bar path, a slightly different movement, but I'm still getting that overhead movement without it actually hurting the joint there. So just trying different ways to get those movements in is also really helpful. So we're mostly talking about resistance training here. So how many days a week do you like to see resistance training? It always depends on goals, but Mm -hmm. I think three days a week is more than enough of resistance training. If you're working in that 45 minute to an hour, I think three days a week is more than enough. Now that doesn't mean you can't do anything else on the other days. In my opinion, you should be doing something five or six days a week, even if that's just, again, moving your body, going out for walks. The problem is the average person, right? This is not everybody. I, you know, I, I work with individuals that depended upon their lifestyle, this could change, but most people, I wake up from bed, which I was just sleeping at eight hours. Then I sit down in my breakfast nook and, and I eat breakfast. And then I go sit in my car. I drive to work for 30 minutes. Then I go sit down for eight hours at work. Then I go back into my car and sit down. Then I go back home and sit down and eat dinner. Then I go on my couch and watch Netflix. Then I go back into bed. So that whole day, you've been sitting down or laying mm-hmm. down, right? So there wasn't a lot of movement or action in that average person's day. So I'd say do something, whether that's go for a two-mile walk, hop on the treadmill, the elliptical, ride a bike, do something. But resistance training weights-wise, I think three days a week is more than enough If you're, let's say, a woman between the ages of 35 and 60, and you're trying to stave off osteopenia and osteoporosis. Yeah. So that's like for the health when we were, you know, back to the beginning of vanity versus health. That's really going to be enough for both. Correct. Yeah. So I find what works for me is a couple days of resistance training, a couple days of low intensity steady state cardio, which is like that walk. Um, I do yoga occasionally, usually about once a week, and then I do a more high intense cardio. I have a stationary bike that I use. And so I, I personally like to change it all up. Like sometimes high intense cardio, sometimes low, and then making the base, the resistance training. Is that kind of like what you like to see with clients? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, like we've talked about before, it comes down in the beginning of the conversation, it comes down to adherence. So there might be some clients who say, I absolutely hate doing seven different things. I just need two. Okay. Well then I'll build you the program around two different things. What's best for your body? Yes. What Lisa's doing best for your body. Ultimately, you want to challenge your body in different ways, not only from an energy perspective. So let's go ahead and say we use different energy systems dependent upon how hard we're working. So if I'm doing, let's say uh, Lisa's doing a shoulder press, although you shouldn't be doing them because they hurt your shoulder. I know. Let's (laughs) say you're doing shoulder presses and you're doing heavy weights. For you, that might be 15 pound dumbbells. You can only get six of them up. You're using a different energy system, an ATP uh, glycolysis system over if you're going on a slow 20 minute mile and a half jog. That's a different energy system, right? So not only do we want to challenge ourselves by using different exercises, different weights, but the energy systems, meaning do we do low and slow, like you talked about, 
Do we do high intensity? Do I do heavy weights, low reps? All of these various things challenge our bodies in different ways, which ultimately is going to be better provided we're doing them safely. But I just want to go quickly back to that vanity aspect you mentioned. W would three days a week be enough from a vanity perspective as opposed to a health perspective? I think it would be way more advantageous from a health perspective. And I think mm -hmm. ultimately that's that's the problem because with the vanity, you probably want to up that to four or five or six sometimes, uh, especially because the best way for vanity is called muscle separation. So maybe I just focus on arms one day and then I do core and back the next day and then I do legs one day, right? I'm really focusing on just destroying, for lack of a better term, the muscle fibers oh, yeah. in one area and then letting them rebuild. But like we said, you know, that there's a line of diminishing returns. What is that doing to my joints long-term? Mm -hmm. And, you know, is, is this, a, am I paying in the long run for this vanity-based training? And I think that's something not in the 20s we have to worry about, but as you start to creep closer to 40 and beyond, that's, that's not exactly the training style your body's built for at that point. And that's where adherence gets to be a real problem for me. Like I, I have zero desire to go in the gym and just work arms. I'm just like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> I just, yeah. I don't know. I love it. I, when I'm in, when I do resistance, I often do like full body, which is why I tend to just do two or three days a week. But yeah. well, we all love yeah. what we're good at too, right? There's a lot of people right. who will cling to some sort of fitness modality in which they're naturally better at. So whatever that is, if you have stronger legs, you're going to like leg exercises. If you're really fast and you have good let's say hand-eye coordination, maybe you like boxing, but you don't like to do traditional lifting. And that's that comes natural. And I think a good trainer will find ways to get the client to do things like we talked about using tools, not tricks, but tools. I call them mm. tricks uh, <laughs> to make you think that you're not necessarily working arms, but you are actually hitting those arm muscles in, in different mm -hmm. ways. And I think that's that's a way around it for people who don't like those things. Hiring a good trainer who can trick you or excuse me, use the tools to get you into that. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, maybe for you too, that um, group exercise is the thing that gets you to the gym. Right now I work out in my garage, but I used to do a lot of group exercise and I do miss that. I don't miss having to like fix my hair to go out in public, but I, you know, I'm always look afraid when I'm out in the garage, but I think that there's a lot to be said for the aspect of being in a group and experiencing the same thing together and just the accountability that that provides. If, mm. if for example, hiring a one-on-one -on -one personal trainer for every single workout isn't in the, in the cards for you, group exercise can be a good alternative to having some of that accountability. I couldn't agree more. It's very important. There's even things that are kind of in between what we consider group fitness and personal training, and that would be private group training. So maybe instead of there being, so typically in a group fitness class, for those who aren't familiar, there is a small chance you walk in and that trainer, that instructor does not speak to you at all, right? You're sitting yeah. in the back of the class and then let's say it's a Zumba class, they're going, right? The music's on and it's up for you. It's up to you to keep up. That is daunting for certain people, right? Especially if you're new to this. I get that. For some people, they love it. They love the thrill of that. I do personally. But for other people, there's that healthy medium where they do small private group training. So it might be five or six people instead of 20 or 25 people. And it's in between a charge of a group training charge and a personal training charge. So you're paying sort of maybe half a personal training. Mm -hmm. And you're getting to know these other people who should be in your, let's call it demographic. 
typically in private group trainings, right? I would have maybe uh, four or five women between the ages of 40 and 50 who all have a similar goal and they have similar fitness habits and lifestyle, right? I'm not going to take a 21-year-old gymnast and a 78-year-old who's in a wheelchair, right? That doesn't make sense for a private group training class. And that allows you to not only be accountable, you're even more accountable than in group fitness because there's only four or five of them. So if you don't show up, they're going to go, hey, Lisa, where were you on Tuesday? We missed you. Um, And it also allows you to cut that cost in half. Yeah. That's funny because that's exactly what I'm doing with my clients right now is shifting from one-on-one to group coaching and to coaching in, in a group so that you're hearing other people get coached as well as supporting them and all working together for a similar goal. So yeah, I love group coaching. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah, a lot lot of advantages. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you online and what you can do for them? Sure. Uh, At Steve Washuta, W-A-S-H-U-T-A on Instagram. All of my links are there. Uh, Also, you can go to Fitness Business 101. If you type that in anywhere on Google, you'll find me. Uh, I do help people. I do virtual personal training. Again, only with people who are looking for overall health and wellness, no particular goals because we're working virtually. So you Mm -hmm. can't necessarily be in the gym. You're going to be in your home using small toys and tools virtually through Zoom with me one-on-one. And then I have the Truly Fit podcast where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand your wisdom and wealth. We talk about everything from uh, proper nutrition habits to diabetes, to tips and tricks in the gym, to see your abs, you name it. As long as it has to do with health and wellness, we discuss it. Awesome. Well, of course, we'll put all those links in the show notes. And thanks again for your time and for being here with us today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you're ready to get some personalized coaching from me, I'd encourage you to schedule a free strategy session. Visit www.wellwithlisa.as.me or it's easier just to find that link in the show notes. We'll talk about where you currently are with your weight loss goals, and I'll give you some actionable tools you can start implementing right away. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you're learning something new and enjoying the podcast, I'd love for you to leave me a five-star rating and a review. Thanks again for joining me, Lisa Salisbury, in this episode of Eat Well, Think Well, Live Well.